welcome to Rambling Ronnie's podcast. This is a place where I discuss a variety of topics, including but not limited to true crime, unsolved mysteries, movie reviews, and more. Please follow along on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and hit the subscribe button wherever you listen. This week, I present a review of the movie Stranger Than Fiction, along with fellow podcaster Jonas from the Short Shorts podcast. We do a big dissection of everything we think about the movie. So connect with your Bluetooth and get doing chores, going on your big drive, or whatever it is you're doing, and enjoy. Hello, welcome to Rambling Ronnie's podcast. This is a place where I talk about true crime and unsolved mysteries and whatever else I feel like talking about. And today, um, I feel like talking about something else, and that's a movie. (laughs) So the movie that um, I have chosen that I'd like to cover is Stranger Than Fiction. And today I have a guest. He is my very dear friend, and his name is Jonas from the Short Shorts Podcast. Hi, Jonas. Hello. Hi. Thanks for jumping on tonight. Thank you for inviting me. I mean, this is my one of my favorite movies, so I wouldn't miss it. Yes, we've been talking about covering it for a while, so I'm glad we're finally like getting getting to it. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk for a second about your podcast? Uh, okay. Got it, if I must. Um, Mm -hmm. My podcast is made out of short stories. um, Short stories based um, in true crime, uh, science fiction, historical. Uh, It's called the Short Shorts Podcast, and it's a platform. Um, uh, They're usually pretty short, um, so they're not going to take too long, and they're all mixed up. So you can get all kinds of... You can go from true crime to... To historical to science fiction you know from one to the next so it's pretty there very um, and that's on purpose so that you know you can kind of not get tired of one you know style or one theme or kind um but yeah that's my podcast yeah and jonas narrates um most of his stories but sometimes he has guests on like i did a couple episodes and some people from other podcasts too so yeah, like check it out. It's like really good stories. They're nice little snack bites. So it's not something that's too long to listen to, but like the music that you have in the background, the way it sounds, it's like kind of soothing when I'm at work. If I listen, it's just like, <laughs> no, it's just, it's like relaxing. It's like, okay. Especially if I'm feeling kind of like uh, at work, because at least at my work, I'm able to listen to podcasts while I work yeah. kind of things. So, so it helps me, <laughs> but yeah, check them out. So we'll, yeah. Um, so Stranger Than Fiction, I will say the synopsis for it. So, um, it is a movie that's about an IRS auditor named Harold Crick, and he suddenly finds his mundane Chicago life to be the subject of a narration that only he can hear, a narration that begins to affect his entire existence, including his work life, his love life, and his death. So I just picked a shorter synopsis that kind of just gives a general idea of what the movie's about. Yeah, uh, I mean, I always promote the movie. <laughs> I always recommend it. It's kind of like Bicentennial Man. I used to have it, and I would recommend it to everybody. Um, the one with Robin Williams, where he's a robot. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite of his. Uh, but then I, I let someone borrow it, and it got lost. And now that I'm writing short stories, and now that I... That I I do this a lot more often. It just, it, it has taken like a different meaning for me. It, like the fact that this story was written on him and, and it's placed throughout, it just like, I don't know, it's, it, 
I could say that maybe this movie somehow helped me to start writing or to encourage me to start writing more, you know? So it, it's it's crazy. That's cool. This one is up there with, with my, you know, like group of movies that I always watch every year. E.T., Back to the Future, this one, I imagine, you know, there's a few that I watch on a, on a you know, on a... Um, Tenuous rotation. Yeah, on a rotation <laughs> because... I just feel like they, I need them as part of my life, you know? Yeah. But um, it, it, that's what it is. I mean, that, like you said, they make them and it affects people different ways. And in my case, movies are like, you know, my escape or like I feel like I like friends, right? Like I need to go see Back to the Future because I want to reconnect with Marty and, and that world, you know, and, and other movies as well. But yeah, it's... It's awesome. Yeah, I just uh, remembered because you're talking about having a movie from like the rental place from back in the day. And I uh, like last year, I think, or something, I went to a thrift store and I found like still in plastic, a little VHS of Cabaret with like Liza Minnelli. And it was like blockbuster price. I think it was like $29.99 or something, or I can't remember, but I got it for like 99 cents or something. I'm like, oh my God, I can't (laughs) believe how much this cost back in the day. I remember though going to blockbuster and being like, why does even the popcorn there, like you can get individual bags of popcorn and they seemed expensive. <laughs> and-, and everything I know. I mean, I knew, I had a coworker back in the day when I used to work at the bank and they had, I would say, a collection of about 600 DVDs. Oh my God. And I always think about them nowadays, especially when I go to like Goodwill or places where I sell, they sell like old movies, 99 cents a piece. I'm thinking, man, that is that that um you know it was like a it was like an investment for them that went south you know yes <laughs> I exactly found, I just found the the complete seasons of um party of five at goodwill for like three dollars a piece and i was like heck yeah this is gold <laughs> oh that's <laughs> great yeah that's the I best still, thing I about it. i still whenever i go to stores like that I still rescue, like even even Walmart. When I go to the five dollar boxes that they have, I go through them because I I feel like I'm rescuing movies from dying <laughs> yeah. or something. Totally, I'm like that with like, um, especially because I have my little TV with a VHS player. So I'll like find VHSs for super cheap or for free on like the classifieds or something. So it's like sometimes it so brings out feelings of nostalgia and has that sound and everything when you put a VHS in it just brings me back and like um books too like it's like so there's so much with online reading but I just I love having a physical book and I have so many books like probably I mean not like hundreds like some people but I might have about a hundred and I've probably read like a quarter of them <laughs> but I just I, I have the intention to read them all eventually <laughs> it's just something about having them right yeah, it's just. You no, know you like, have them, so you feel like they're safe, and you feel like you're you're happy. You have, you have their, you have it there in case you ever get to it. But you yeah. rather than not have. Exactly, and sometimes if I find ones that are classics that I love, I'll buy them and like give them as gifts and stuff too. So. Because, yeah, that's and, a yeah, and except I doubt some people read them, but at least I give something, <laughs> especially if I'm like <laughs> I'm broke. <laughs> okay, I have this book. I know I'll find another one. I'll give this. Yeah. No. Okay, well, let's get into the cast now, and we'll just kind of talk a little bit about who's on the movie. So Will Ferrell plays the main um, protagonist named Harold, and it's, yeah, one of his, like, I don't know, 
if it's his first, but it's a more bigger, like dramatic type role that he does. And I like seeing like, like, because something with him and like, and Jim Carrey and Robin Williams, when they do like dramatic roles, it's like, I don't know if it's because they're comedians or what, but to me, they have like, it's like, it somehow touches me more. I don't know if it's because of what I know about them or they act a certain way because like, especially those particular actors, like um, they themselves, like with Robin Williams and Jim Carrey, like having their own struggles with mental health and stuff like that. Like if somehow they, they use comedy as that mask, but like they have it in them to pull it out in dramatic roles or maybe only I see it and other people are like, they're not good. But I'm like, I just like seeing, you know, people in different roles and then like, you know, and succeeding in it. Yeah, and you see a different side, right? You see yeah. a different side of him. I mean, here, he's so young. I was just like, whoa, he's so young. <laughs> <laughs> watching it, you know, and, and he's so good at it. I mean, he, I don't think anybody else could have played Harold, uh, you know. I was and, thinking of that because just to kind of jump ahead for a sec, like with um, him and, and Maggie Gyllenhaal and her character, uh-huh. like they're really good. It's, it seems like they don't match, but it's like their characters definitely, you see that story. Uh, I'm not sure as like actors, if I see them romantically together or ship them, you know, <laughs> but. Um, but, but, but as characters, they do. They yeah. Each other. And they do their characters really well individually. And like, I think Will Ferrell, like, yeah, I think he does really good in the role because it's like, you can tell again, is it the bias of knowing it's Will Ferrell? But like, it's like, you could, he's very like, again jumping ahead but the way he's living his life it's a certain way and he's kind of like just very like not exactly depressed but just living the normal life and being very like like monotone in his personality kind of um and yet you can tell that there's something inside like just by the way he acts you know and it comes out as the movie goes on kind of thing which we'll get Mm -hmm. into all that but but yeah he just does it really well I think he does personally and yeah, and then there's Emma Thompson, Dame Emma Thompson, who I really like her. Um, yeah. She plays the the author named Karen Eiffel in the movie. She's and so yeah, she's so good. And in like anything and in this movie, yeah, she's great. She's so, she's so, I just love her. She's like perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and Maggie Gyllenhaal is um, the baker named Anna Pascal. And like, she's fun in that role and stuff and like fits the role really well. Um, and I wrote Guy from Arrested Development. I always forget his name, but it's Tony Hale. <laughs> he plays the um, he plays the the coworker. Uh, I guess his name's the Dave. Friend. Yeah, mm-hmm. the one that. Uh, yeah, his. Goes to space camp. Yes. <laughs> Queen Latifah also is in the movie and plays um, uh, Karen Eiffel, Emma Thompson character. Or, Emma Thompson's character's uh, a new assistant that comes to help her. And the movie is written. So I'm not really up on directors and writers and stuff. I always have to like go through their IMDb and then I'm like, I forget two seconds later. But it was just interesting to see the director is Mark Forster, who did um, like a bunch of movies that I didn't really see, but I've heard of. Like I, he did Finding Neverland, which I saw. And I thought that was a pretty good movie. He did World War Z and Monsters Ball. Um, and he, a bunch of other, like pretty big name ones. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And the writer, yeah, that writer is Zach Helm and he, what stood out to me, which I haven't watched yet, but I've been wanting to watch and I just haven't for some reason is Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. 
he was a writer for that and that's a movie i think mm. it was directed by one of the guys from monty python again names aren't coming to me <laughs> so it's one of those movies i wanted to watch so i was like oh that's so interesting because he obviously worked with um the guy from monty python so to me that puts him in my cool books <laughs> so so yeah um the movie starts and this is what i think i missed something because it just, it started off because it's her narrating a little bit and introducing, going into getting into the movie. And then it's Will Ferrell at his mirror, right? Like brushing his teeth. And that's yeah. when he starts to hear her. So that's just the part I'm just going to say right off the top. I'm kind of like, I'm missing the part where, how is it that he starts to hear her narrate? Because I feel like the watch thing comes in later. So how is it that suddenly that day he is hearing her narrating? It's just in the it stars. At first, it starts by saying that he's a man of infinite numbers, and then, and and then, she goes into his life, and she's saying, you know, he he brushes his teeth thirty-eight times this way and thirty-eight times that way, and then, and then she says something like, "But so, but you know, like his actions are gonna are gonna take him to a different kind of life, right?" So, they're going to change his life completely. And somehow that triggers him to start hearing, you know, this, this, to start hearing her narrating his life. So, so it's just like one of those written in the stars or something things, right? Yeah, like, or also, just, it's, or whatever happenstance, like. Just, she's also saying something like, oh, his watch uh, knows this. And, and so he wasn't going to allow this to happen. So in some way she's using the watch to kind of get into his life and, and for him to start listening to the soul it's one of those things where we don't know if, if it was all in his mind and, and he's just you know because i can even i mean when i'm brushing my teeth i'm thinking all kinds of things you know I, like if i'm counting one two three you know it's like i'm narrating my own my own process right so in a way it was maybe it was just him, the power of his mind, because he realized he's he's narrating his his own life at this point, you know, by by counting, because you can see that he's counting. Um, so so yeah, at this point is when when she says that that something's about to happen. That's when she he starts listening and hearing the voices. And I, I and this is is cool because at first he doesn't think. He's just thinking this himself, hearing himself, or like hearing voices. But then when she starts saying other things outside of him, you know, uh, that are going to happen to him, that's when he's like, wait, wait, what's going on? It's like, it's like if you're thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow, and all of a sudden you hear somebody else saying, oh, no, you're not going to do this. You're going to do this other thing. And it's like, whoa, what? Yeah, that's an interesting point, how it's like, because that's something that I've been thinking about and trying to read in different stuff which there's something that I'll have to look at. Um, maybe I'll just quickly look now. It it talks about her her introduction or the, the thing that she says while um, in, introducing the movie. Um, now, what did it say? Um, it's one of those trivia things that kind of like seems to explain Uh, okay, 
I'm sure I'll like come across it, but it's just the idea of how it's like, it, it's this thing about being in control of your life. Like it's the theme of the movie is like someone else controlling your life and you controlling yours. And it's almost like Emma Thompson's character. So I guess I'll just start calling her Karen. Karen is um, controlling Harold's life. And it's about him maintaining, like regaining control of his life because everything is that mundane, same thing every day. So it's interesting how it's like, how you're saying like, yeah, he's, he's just, like he's not thinking of his own life or in control of it because all he's doing is just doing the motions and counting and blah 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 so it's interesting how it's like because the movie is just you're making me think about like oh because she is real because then he meets her and stuff later but it's interesting the idea of like it's him confronting himself about his life kind of thing anyways <laughs> yeah no and, and the thing is I mean, it's that hard to believe, and it's not. I'm, I'm, I'm watching right now, this the, the movie, and it's not until the next. Day. So first, we are presented with his, with, with his routines, right? Brushing his teeth and everything, and it's not until the next day that he starts brushing his teeth that he, he stops. And he's like, what? And he thinks this is Mike or whatever, you know, he thinks some, someone's. So that's when it, it, it's the movie starts on a Tuesday and we see his whole routine. And then on Wednesday morning when he wakes up, that's and he's going through the whole thing again, that he starts hearing the, the okay. actually hearing the voice. And it's because he goes to the office and stuff, but it's after he's at the office when he goes to the bus stop when his watch goes all funky, right? Yeah, that's yeah. What, so that this Wednesday, that's when she's going to say uh, that, you know, she started, he's starting his day on a Wednesday, just a typical day, and that's when he starts hearing this. But, uh, but like you said, it's a really, it's really hard to believe that someone could imagine your life, right? Like, I'm writing a story about this person that does this and does this and does this, or it's this kind of person. And in this case, I mean, what are the chances? But again, coincidences are so, so, like, so, uh, you know, they, they happen all the time, whether we realize them or not. So in a way, on one side, it could be that she, she, she wrote a story about a guy. It just in this case, he happens to live. He happens to be, a, you know, uh, and he's such a typical guy in the sense of the kind of life that he lives that that somehow the universe is like, you're writing about this guy, and here is Harold, and and we need to change his life. Right? Yeah, it's it's totally like you, you can't think too much about that kind of stuff, I guess, with this because it's because that's not the point of the story. The point is what ends up happening with Harold because you can relate. Or at least I can relate to that idea of like the same thing every day and you don't feel like you're in control. Like they exemplify it in another uh, early on um, when he goes to the office and I call it, he runs into his coworker who is American Sasha, Sasha Baron Cohen. Because <laughs> there's the one guy who like asked him like, oh, what's the, what's the answer for this kind of thing? And so he gives a number and then he, and so that guy, I was like, he looks kind of like Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> but like shorter <laughs> but um so he says a number and then 
um, walks away and then she says, but actually the number was this. And he goes back and says it. But I read in the trivia that the first number he said was actually the correct answer. And the second one wasn't. So it's like another example, like uh, example of how he is not controlling his life. He just does what he has, like what he's told and blah, blah, blah. Like he doesn't question things, you know? So that's like a whole part of um, him coming to like connecting with himself, I guess, because it's, it's like he does the same thing every day and then he he doesn't question things and does what he what people tell him to and stuff so then he that's then later he's at the bus stop and that's when it, his watch goes insane it's like the watch is going to change everything or whatever and and um uh i'm just trying to see is it after that or is that the scene where she mentions his death no no that's it. later right no no right now he's um He's getting, he starts listening to the voice, hearing the voice on a Wednesday. And, and and he's he's already going off of his routine because he's taking, you know, he's like, what the hell's going on, right? And then she says, you know, you know, like he he is about to to he's about to change his whole life. And that's when he, you know, when he's like, okay, something's going on here because this is not normal, you know? Um, because at the same time, she, since she is writing a book, she knows his life is about to change. Um, so, and then I always, I always ask myself if this is, if this is the, the new version that she writes at the end, or this is her original version, right? It's one of those things where what happened first, you know, the chicken or the egg, you know, like, because again, you know, she's not to get ahead, but you know, she's she's gonna revise the whole book to 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 you know to fit the narrative. But it is because we could say that it's because he starts listening to this voice that now everything's gonna go. Now everything's gonna go crazy. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So the watch, it because of the combination of like this watch is like the physical action of him, his watch going haywire and he changes the time and stuff and adjusts it. And then her saying it, he's like, just suddenly her voice too is just totally disrupting his life. Like he's talking <laughs> to Tony Hale and that's another scene too. It's interesting. He's in the very, the, the file room, which I'm like, is this some type of like limbo or something? It reminds me of like the matrix <laughs> or something. It's yeah, like all yeah. white and sanitary and bright yeah. with all those boxes but then it's like there's the yellow folders that are the IRS folders. And even to, uh, uh, um, Dave, I'll call him, because that's his character's name, Tony Hale's character, Dave. He's his coworker, and he's wearing like khaki colored clothes that almost blend in with the folders and stuff. So I'm like, is that, am I overreaching? Or is there some symbolism with the idea that he's like trying to file these folders? And that's when she's saying, oh, he just pictures the folder sounding like like the ocean like and stuff ocean so is it he's in this place like i feel like there's something there and i'm just not connecting with like, like those, the choices it's one of those well right now uh he runs to the bus stop and this whole thing is already changing his life because he already missed the bus and that's when he tells the lady can you hear that voice and she's like rubbles like yeah she's saying <laughs> she's so know, funny she's, Wednesday, she's like, <laughs> Not her, it's a Wednesday. She's, she's like, 
who's Harold? He's like, me, I'm Harold. And she's like, Harold, it's Wednesday. And he's like, no, I know, but are you hearing the voice saying Harold, it's Wednesday? She's like, she's like it's okay, Harold, it's Wednesday. And she's just yeah, not getting but, it, what he's asking her. But, but he already, you know, before, so he's being forced to like notice other things. And it's one of those things like when, you, when you're so in tune with your routine that nothing changes you, you know, you get up in the morning, you do this and you do that. And, and it's comfortable and it's safe to have that routine down to the the minute, you know. Um, and maybe I can imagine that that's Harold, you know. This is the life that he, he loves numbers. He loves counting stuff. He loves counting his steps and everything. And, and, and it could also be, you know, maybe some kind of OCD. But, but he has embraced it, but he's missing out on everything else, right? So now yeah. he's being forced to look, wait, stop, come down, you know, slow down, look outside, look at everything. Um, but yeah, this is where he's at the bus stop. He asks the lady and before he goes into the office and then he hears the, the oceans. But it's one of those, like, when I'm stuck in, you know, working inside and it's the middle of summer and I'm thinking, yeah, that could be at the beach. Yeah, it's imagination land. I think that's what it is, is it's showing that like, yeah, he's in this clinical setting. He does this IRS stuff, but deep, deep down, he does want other more, more in his life. He just is what he's doing kind of thing. But he does dream of like, and think of different things, even though he doesn't show it. Like, like you're right, because, you know, he's, he's thinking, you know, if, if, if each one of those was a wave, he, he's already counted how many waves he could have seen already. So it's like he's accepted his reality of, of being this, this, you know, routine that to many of us would be boring, but in, but he's still is looking out, right? He's looking out. That he for some reason I never understood why he's not willing to see out, like step out into it, because he we know he wants to play music, we know he we know he 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 um. He want he likes the ocean, but he doesn't want to step out. You know, I don't know. Most, I mean, maybe now we'll we'll find out. Yeah, when you're in place. That's true. I, I mean, it definitely. There's got to be something that kind of maybe later that will maybe make it tie in more. But it's definitely like, um, yeah. Why? What is it that that's holding him back? We can see that he holds himself back because he doesn't take control of his life. It has something to do, I think, with like fear and also just not wanting to change routine, but what supports that? So I can't think of what that is, but yeah, you you definitely, they've exemplified that, especially the fact that he just does what he needs to without questioning things. He doesn't know what he wants, yeah. Yeah, so I guess this is his way of discovering himself kind of thing. So when Mm -hmm. he's in that clinical (laughs) um, file room thing, that lady comes up, click, click with their shoes and and hands them the folders and click 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 walks away and um and so his coworker Dave just kind of looks at him he's like oh god he's so there's something like not right with him today so he's like you take the smaller folder I'll take the bigger one <laughs> he's like <laughs> which is nice. the smaller folder is for oh um Will Farrell's folder uh-huh, yeah one. that's yeah that's the uh um uh Anna Pascal because the baker the baker yeah baker Baker file so that leads him to maggie Uh so and you know that's 
that's the thing is that he is this clinical person, but because of all this interruption that's causing him to be like, do you hear that? And acting strange. It's like kind of like he could have been given that giant folder from his coworker and totally just done the same numbers and his thing. But because of what's going on, suddenly things are shifting and now he's getting this folder that he might have not gotten. There's that 50-50 chance. Um, and he, you know, and it leads him to meeting Maggie Gyllenhaal, which is Anna Pascal. This is the moment of the red pill versus the blue pill. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is Matrix. Yeah, and like, this, <laughs> his friend, you know, because, you know, I can imagine, like, you're always the kind of person that is so focused and so, like, perfect. And all of a sudden, you, you're acting different, you know. His friend is really like, okay, something's going on here. You take this one. You take the little one. I'll take the big one. Because it seems that all this time, like, they always give him, like, the, the really crazy stuff, right? He never gets, like, the easy ones. And now his friend has switched everything. And I was thinking, man, how sad that this role for this lady, all she did was walk in there and and and, and hand in that file. And it's like, it's like, what if she trips or something and she can't even do that? <laughs> I was just going to say, that would be me. That's the one role I'd get. And they'd be like, I'm sorry, we have to recast you. You just can't walk. Like you can't <laughs> walk normal. What is wrong with you? <laughs> But like it takes you forever to walk out of that room. Yeah. And she's and I'm, oh, she's just like she's a power walking woman and she knows what she's like a businesswoman. Yeah, like to go in and go out, you know, if you can't do that, get the next one. Yeah, for me, they're like, she is so short with her stubby legs. Well, the scene will be like 20 minutes long. Like, get it someone else. <laughs> um but so he ends up going to the um bakery to go talk to um to Anna about her taxes, which it's kind of tropey, like the cool anarchist tattoo chick. But I mean, she still is like, does the role well, I think. And it's just funny how he's he's just trying to talk to her about the taxes. And she's like, tax man, nah, tax man. And I everyone's yelling at him. And I, I think that we, we, we're going to see her develop, but yes, we, we, we also think of her as the opposite of him, right? But I think that in a sense, she's just like him, you know? But she's found a way out of the matrix where he hasn't. But, uh, and so, and so, um, at later when they are, when they end up together in that scene, it's so perfect. And, and it's like, yeah, they're exactly the same people. You know? Yeah, they're, they're both they're, like, yeah, they're both, um, total opposites but together they balance each other out in that way and so it's like it's it's a cute relationship to see like I think that's one of those little things that I like about the movie um but it's funny in that moment when I just the narration it's like what would like okay Harold's fantasy is is, so so much you know like when she's like oh yeah uh, anarchists have groups and like they play on each other so well since the beginning, even though they don't like each other, well, she doesn't like him, uh, you know. He, but, uh, meanwhile, is fantasizing about her long legs running from tear gas and, and seeing her shaving her legs. <laughs> yeah, I was a little like, whoa. Like, and he's just but, staring at her and she's like, um, do you need something? You're staring at my tits. He's like, oh, Sorry. I'm sure you if I am is the is the, the, the US government. Yeah, if I am if it's not as the US government, whatever. 
it's just like a little silly moment. Um, like not, he is not lacking anything. He can keep up with this woman, but it's just like he's so shell. He's so he's yes. keeping so much inside that he doesn't do it. But it's not like he's having a hard time keeping up with her. He can like really keep up with her. Like anything she throws at him, she can like you know but he's not doing it in an aggressive way kind of thing like so yeah it's nice like it's um uh i think maybe that's what intrigues her maybe is because she sees how he's just he's just trying to do the right thing he's not he doesn't have something against her he's not being mean to her or something that other people probably were rude to her so she's got a a wall built up and stuff because she's ready to fight but he's not trying to fight her. He's just like, I'm just trying to do your taxes so you don't go to jail. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they're great from the beginning. You don't feel weird. You don't feel that they're being, they're being pushed to, you know, they want, it's like you can just see it happening and it feels, it flows good. It's not like force. Yes. She's amazing. She is, she is amazing. And then, so next we see Emma Thompson, um, and she's kind of, she's trying to visualize, like, she's got, like, because, okay, with her, as we find out later, like, um, all of her characters, like, her main character, she kills off, so she has this, like, um, this, um, like, fascination with death or something, or this obsession, kind of, and we'll get into that later on, but, like, she's having kind of a fantasy of picturing like someone committing suicide. So she's picturing herself being on top of a building and seeing what's going on in the streets below. And, and, and there's me, me cleaning the sidewalk it just reminds me of when I'm in the parkade at my work and I'm just hosing down things. <laughs> like there's, no. the, <laughs> there's the guy on the sidewalk, just hosing it down. I'm like, that's me. And then there's like the kid that's on the bike or whatever. And the other lady. And so she's just kind of like picturing what scene it is and then picturing herself um oh i put emma thompson spit so she's <laughs> she spits into napkins and then puts yeah, her that, that out. but you know what that's just a sign of good writing you know you want to have that her process and stuff yeah. yeah but it's just all i'm thinking is you know come you come to i mean obviously she's standing on top of the building trying to you know imagine how she would be if she just throws herself down it turns out she's on top of her desk but it's like she's trying so hard to kill carol She's trying so hard to kill him and she's thinking and she just can't find a way that actually works, you know? And and that's where, you know, uh, Latifah comes in. Yes. Uh, I also just got to, got to mention that uh, Emma Thompson has a perfect nose, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. yeah, so Queen Latifah comes in and her she- name is Penny. And she's uh, the new assistant that's tasked to help um, her to help uh, Karen uh, to get out of her writer's block that she's having. So, yeah, they have some discussion about stuff. Um, and I don't even realize, but this story is as much about changing Harold as it is about changing her. Yes. So we can, you know, what? I just want to talk about it now. <laughs> so because later... <laughs> later we see um a flashback of her um because she drove off a bridge in an accident and like her car went into the water and she has like this memory of that that she's flashing back and wait is that a memory or is that her imagining a death she's imagining 
She's imagining because uh, I was I thought uses the bus and then the bus goes and plunges into the into the river and then she's like right there and she's sitting there, you know, smoking in the middle of the rain and yeah. she's like, yeah, this is how we get, you know, this is how we get out, uh, uh, you know, when you get wet, you know, you get that, you know, you get sick. But uh, she's she's imagining and she she puts herself in there because she wants to really feel how you know how to kill um, this guy. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Just for a second, I thought that was an actual memory flashback. And I was like, is that why she's having writer's block? Because she had this experience. And so that's why she can't finish this because she had a near-death experience. And it's making it like, because she's starting to empathize more with her characters. And then when she actually meets Harold, that's when she fully goes, oh my God, like I yeah, suddenly um, like, but, yeah, but that's not it. So I also is- think that, that Penny had changed her as well in a way. But I don't know if you picked up on this, but when she first comes in, Penny goes like, what is that? And she's like, those are letters to me. You know, and we know where those letters came from. She loves those letters because they come from that teacher, from that professor. Right. (laughs) I didn't connect because I I remember them saying that he wrote to her. I didn't realize like, all the letters, those are like his letters to her. I didn't, so also, I didn't. So Penny's also like forcing her out. She's forcing, she's forcing her out and she's forcing Harold out. Like you're like they're they're forcing because she's also like lives in this bubble where she's been stuck as a as a writer. And then Penny comes along and you know knocks her out of it. And then and then she uh at some point um she you know We'll, we'll get to it, but at some point she's also realizing that, hey, something's going on here because, you know, especially that scene where she's typing ring, 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 and then the phone starts ringing. Yes. That's the moment where she, where it, it connects to her too. Yeah, because so, it's her learning to uh, get out of her, like you said, out of her her space, like her um, breaking her out of her, her writer's block, yeah, and her bubble. <laughs> uh, but like, it's also, it's her learning, again, to empathize with her characters. And it's like, oh, she suddenly is like, maybe I don't have to kill everyone all the time. Or, or it makes her just think more. Like, you know, it's... She is pretty cold-blooded. Yeah. When, <laughs> when they're at the... when they're at the, She has this fascination with, with, with death because she's like, I saw this this documentary and the person that leaped from the building, you know, she they had this peaceful look in their face and she's like imagining it and then when they're in the hospital they're like yeah this is wrong you know where are the people that are, that are for sure gonna die yeah like she, has, <laughs> she has she's the writer but she disconnected the emotions out of it right yes because yeah that i was just like rolling my eyes but also laughing because it's a part of the movie but i was also like okay for one you're looking for palliative care or hospice so be specific when you're asking, but also it's like, but that's the point is that she's detached emotionally from people. And so it is ridiculous, but that's how not focused she is on real life. She's just focused on her books, but she's blocked at the same time. And so she's like, um, where are the, I mean, I mean, it's great and everything that these people are sick and probably going to get better, but, but where's the dying people? I, I need to see the dying people. Sure. Kind of thing. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like they both love their jobs. And I, I Harold is just an extension of her, but um, they both love their jobs and they're missing the fact that they're missing on life because they're so 
they're, they're so dedicated to their jobs, right? Yeah, totally. So relatable in a way. Like the sense of the therapist. Oh, okay. Like, okay. Like, we'll talk about that. Um, Well, first, okay, I'm going to just say Harold talks to his boss, recommends he takes a vacation. And I was like, oh my God, who doesn't take a vacation? (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, my my mom's kind of that person too, where she's just like, I have all these sick days saved up in vacation time. And I'm like, bragging about it too. Yeah, it's it. Like, okay, m- martyr mother, like, use your, use your hours. God, quit killing yourself. <laughs> and maybe they don't have kids. I mean, I'm down to, like, my last two days of vacation, you know. All of you stuff in this past three months, you know, or whatever, you know. But, yeah, some people just love to keep them. And they just, it's like, they, it's like they, they like to keep their vacation. It's like, no, you're supposed to take it. <laughs> but I think this also is just showing that Harold just doesn't deviate from his normal routine. Like he doesn't take vacation. He doesn't, you know, so, um, so his, and his boss is like, I'm not supposed to do this. He just goes up to him and gives him like such an awkward hug. And he's just like, uh. (laughs) He's like the HR director. He's like, oh yeah, I'm not supposed to hug you. (laughs) Yeah. And and that is totally out of norm because he's never been out of, it's kind of like, sometimes when I leave early, uh, when I leave work early, and I come, I'm like, whoa, this is a world that I never see, right? Because I'm never out at this time of the, of the day. And that's where he ends up in the bus stop, and, and that's when the watch sees her, and that's when he goes berserk. Right, and and that's when he hears her narrating that it's his imminent death is coming or whatever. <laughs> and he has this freak out. I just love when he's, like, narrating to himself, and he's, like, grabs his lap. He's, like, Harold grabs a lamp and throws it around the freaking room <laughs> whatever <laughs> and he's like just grabs his lap and is just kind of wrestling with it for a second to get his frustration out i'm like i've been like that where i just grab a pillow or something i'm like ah! and i'm not really doing anything just freaking out i mean like if you were working and you're 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 you know inside your mind all of a sudden you hear a voice that says yeah it's just about to die too <laughs> Little did she know she's about to die. And you're like, what the hell? Oh my god, I'd have a I I don't, don't, totally, out to It's like, okay, should I just like lay in bed, not do anything for a week? Like, how does this work? <laughs> but wait, yeah, am I gonna just have a heart attack? What's what's happening? Or that's pretty bad though. It's pretty sad. And he find it's like he's defeated. Yeah. Know, after he, he starts throwing lamps around and everything. It's like he's defeated. I feel so sad because here's the guy that He's almost 40. I'm sure he's almost 40 years old. I don't know what, I don't know if they ever said his age, but you know, and he lives his life so proper and, and so routinely. And now to hear that he's about to die, it's kind of like, you know, I felt, all, I felt that he was really sad. And all these random things happening. Like, I mean, I think it's kind of, it's really relatable, like to, I would think like someone who's like suddenly having a mental health crisis. And it's like, I don't like, oh my god like there's these things happening I can't explain and you know like uh there's some like true crime cases that (laughs) are like you know it's like bizarre things that happen but it's because someone had a mental break or whatever um not that that's related yeah and so so yeah after he has this freak out he goes to see the psychologist which I'm like what is this lady's credentials like (laughs) 
like okay she clearly makes money she has this nice office and like well it said it was um filmed in chicago but i was like getting a new york feel i didn't i don't know but i'm not from the u.s so i don't know i could be i don't know (laughs) but either way i'm sure it's expensive (laughs) so it's like how like because she's just like you have schizophrenia and she's like why don't you go talk to a writer or something it's like you are so not helpful lady what the hell how much did he pay you for this like bullshit visit (laughs) go see it go see a writer they'll help you like what? <laughs> it's like he's trying so hard to, like, okay, but what if it's not, you know, that? What else could it be? Nope, that's all, you know. And it's like when I see that scene, it's like he's trying to, he's trying to ask for help. He's trying to, you know, to find something to hold on to, and he's like, nope, <laughs> you're it, you're crazy. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like how it can be in real life trying to see doctors or certain people like at least from my experience sometimes it's just like it's like you don't want to be a hypochondriac but it's also like it's like okay like when a doctor doesn't just take the time to get to know you and get to know what's going on with you and they just write you off as like well this is what I think's happening and I'm going to give you a prescription or something it's like how much effort did you put into that how do you know if it's not going to be bad for my body or something you know like so it's just kind of made me think of that but um he takes the advice of this um, amazing psychologist who, who clearly is just, you know, just knows her shit. And so she's just whatever. She's like, you're not even worth my time. Just go see a professor. Totally makes sense. So he goes to a writing professor. Now, this is what I missed, too. Do you know how is he friends with this professor or how did he come to to come to this guy, to Dustin Hoffman's character? Please, let me rewind it. Um... But this this whole scene with this guy, it's so I feel like it's so nineties. <laughs> yeah. It's uh because he says um it's it's schizophrenia and then he's like, Yeah, but what if it's not? Uh but what if it's not? And she's like, because she says, What if it's not? And what if I told you what I told you is true, you know, what should I do? It's part of a narration of my life. And it's like, what should I do? And she's like, well, maybe you would want to find, see someone that understands about literature. So that's how she's like, um, and that's when she recommends, uh, she would send him to, to see someone about literature. Okay, so, so she said, she gave him the name or whatever and information. She's like, go see this guy. I know this guy or whatever kind of thing. So I don't know. Maybe they're just professors or something. Yeah, I'm just going to, I think we're, we'll just have to presume she connected him. She knows him somehow. Yeah, or something. Okay. Oh, and then and then he's like, well, you're the, you're the guy with the narration, right? When she needs, um, oh, here, here it is. Uh, says, he says, Oh, you're you're the guy from about the narration uh, that the narrator is saying that you're gonna die. Uh, yeah, so she doesn't even say that either. Uh, how? But oh. it's like, can that guy drink any more coffee? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's drinking coffee as he's peeing. He goes to the bathroom and he gets a new coffee. And I dealt with those coffee machines. It's like they're horrible. I did not even put like. Focus in on that. That's a funny observation. <laughs> oh man! And then he he gets to his office and he pours a cup of coffee. In his 
Yeah, I work with people like this, you know, and I work like in law firms where where people drink coffee this obsessively. And I even teachers, you know, back in the 90s, I was always like, man, this is so 90s. <laughs> even the soap dispensers are so 90s, you know? <laughs> so That's the thing that I, lo- I love. That's what I love is like with certain movies, it's just, again, nostalgia. This is the it's just, yeah. This is the it's just showing you so much. So he goes out of the bathroom, he throws the trash, he throws his coffee in the trash. He goes to the coffee machine, and I and I remember those stupid coffee machines. And now he's gonna get a coffee, and he's gonna walk into his office, and he's gonna pour himself a cup of coffee. <laughs> Just like wow. Yeah. Um, so the one thing I kind of didn't like was that when they're first talking, he's kind of dismissing him a little bit. And he's yeah, like, yeah, which you know I I can get that, but I just don't like when he's like, okay, like, did you count it? the tiles? Did you count this? Did you count that? Well, and he's like saying, I can't remember what exactly he says, but he he says, well, something because he's comparing like him telling or narrating something about Will Farrell's character, um, Harold. Like, um, he's like, oh. Like, is it weird when I say this? Well, then yeah, why is it like, yeah, and he's like, well, no, I don't know you. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, however he says it, I should have written it down specifically because what I wrote was, doesn't know narrator. Um, oh, yeah, he's like, you don't know me. And so, um, but sorry, I totally should have written it down. It's just, I just didn't, I remember thinking like, he doesn't know the voice that's in his head that's why this is weird like it's you know if someone else is narrating it obviously it's it's whatever but he's got a voice in his head narrating his life who's a totally different person's voice so that's what's weird like it's like he was trivializing it in a way the way he said it like Dustin Hoffman's character you know this guy is so typical of, of American academia and the way it works he's teaching five classes He's the guy at the pool. He has so much. He's also teaching two, like, private tutoring, two PhDs or whatever. And, and this just, I, I, I'm trying to think how I know this. Because I, I don't know how I know this, but I, I understand this world so much. Um, I, I used to be really good friends with my career advisor in high school. And I even, you know, like, after high school, after I graduated, I went and helped her out with her house and everything. But for some reason, I understand this so much. The way this, you know, he's so busy. He's so, you know, it's like, I can understand. I felt that he was really rough this time around. Like, I've seen this movie tons of times. And I never felt that, like, oh, it didn't bother me. But like you said, this time around, he really, like, it's like hitting him hard. Like, yeah, you counted those, you counted those tiles, yeah, you counted the stairs, yeah, you did this. Like, maybe he's just testing him to see if he's actually just crazy. And he's being, like, rough, like, tough love to see. And then um, to test him out or or just to knock him out of it. But, yeah, yeah but he comes across very tough, like, very. But I don't I think that he's, he's mean. I think he's just, like, he's just, like, this is, like, he got referred to by a psychiatrist, people. So you be, be sensitive or whatever. But no, he's just like... Yeah, he's which is totally true. Like, he's super busy. He doesn't have time for people's BS. And so it's just like, however he said it, I was just like, 
come on, dude. Like that doesn't make sense <laughs> the way you said it, but he's yeah, busy. And he's trying to just like, like you said, just get through the bullshit and if like get him out of his office <laughs> or whatever. But um, then that's when he talks about like uh, how she narrated and said, little does he know that something mm -hmm. innocuous acting. And, and so he's like, Oh, that's interesting. I've taught a lot of classes about uh, little did he know kind of thing, which I feel like there's something more in that that I didn't quite take away from. Like, like if there's some supposed to be some more deeper meaning to him, like I guess because it's him, something about that statement intrigues him. Is it because it's her writing he recognizes because she says that mm -hmm. all the time? Or just because he likes that literary device, and he's like, now I'm interested in like what's going on with you. And she, she, um, she, well, in her book, she imagined her, and this is one of her like little did he know, little did she, know. little did he know implies that he doesn't know that he's you know there's something that he doesn't know. Um, but yeah, there, that's the same reason why why he writes to her so much because. Because he not he didn't just send one letter, he sent her a lot of letters, but she never replied back. So um so it's one of those where the universe is connecting, right? She says these words, his last words, because that's when he he got really like awoke. He awoke in himself. And then she and then he recognizes them and that's when the connection happens, right? That that you know, they're about to start working together. But, but yeah, I, I think it's he, she knew exactly what to say so that this guy would be able to. Because the point of it is let's, let's not kill Harold, let's make him survive. And all this is that journey to get to that. So this had to happen. Yeah, to, that makes you know. sense. Yeah, because she, she is writing him visiting a guy in the office kind of thing, right? So like that's a part of her narration is him going to the office and stuff to see the professor i think this is one of it is crazy how they go from when she's narrating to when he's she's not in a lot of time sorry go that's ahead. something i wanted to say um i think it's that he when he starts deviating from the normal stuff then mm -hmm. she's not narrating anymore that's so true. that means that he's in control of his life and she's not controlling him anymore. So it's interesting. Like it's one of those movies where I'm just like, I, I overthink too much, but it's also a movie where you kind of have to like really look at the little things and what they mean kind of thing. Cause I, it's like a movie where, I mean, all movies, everything they do is a choice for a reason, but I really like the movies like this, where it's like, I just love analyzing every single little choice to see how it connects with other things. I like that whenever she starts narrating, it, it's not like, it doesn't feel like she's intruding. It feels like she's part of him, which yeah. in reality she is because you know she she knows him so well and she's in her character she she wrote him up, but at the same time like she doesn't feel like she's intruding, um, even that later right, but but right now he doesn't know if she's in control, he doesn't know that if you know if 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 he's in control of his own life or not, and that's where he's gonna help help him do that. Yeah, totally. Um, so, oh, so this is another thing too, because um, after he's on the bus and he takes out a pad and starts writing, um, is that when, when before that Dustin Hoffman said you should 
be you should start journaling or something is that when he says that okay so uh so she he's on the bus doing whatever and anna pascal appears on the bus so that's when and i just don't get it like so this is a thing that i think is another specific choice because he says there are 11 open seats and it's like okay but there's people standing why is no one sitting around him and it's like is it because he repels people is it because he looks like a narc like what is the symbol of that because like if you're on a freaking bus I am not like no one is fucking standing unless there's absolutely no seats and there was multiple people standing and I know why she didn't want to sit by him but why was nobody else sitting by him so that's like a choice what does that mean like is he I don't know I, I couldn't <laughs> is he even there right no I think that it was just part of his he always counts everything so he knows exactly how many how many chairs are open um and that's what he's like yeah there's 11 chairs open or seats but um but why, yeah why were the other people that were standing not sitting I mean I need I need an answer here people <laughs> like why are what? They're, they you know they work in the office they sit in the <laughs> <laughs> I need this. I need the sequel that discusses the people on the bus who did not sit down on the seats that were open and available. <laughs> but I feel like that's got to be a choice because why? Why is it around him? No one wants to sit. What is this? You know, is this something to do with fate and stuff? And it's like trying to like make it so that they will like pushing them to be together. So it's like it made the people on the bus like not want to sit by him so that it could have that openness for her to sit next to him like I guess or is there or am I just overthinking it I just I can't believe in people not sitting when there's open seats on a bus <laughs> no, I, mean, I rode the bus for a long time um and there was times where you just want to stand up and there's times where you see people are like no I'm not gonna sit next to that person or or you know um or there's there's places like I don't know you guys probably do have those those buses that are double but a lot of people here, here in LA, is, is very new. I mean, it was very new when I started, when I used to ride a bus. So a lot of people don't trust that that bend part. Wherever it bends, people don't trust that because they think it's going to like, what happens if it crashes or something? What happens, you know? It's so weird to us, any of those, those buses, you know, when they introduced them here in LA back in, I would say, early 2000s. Like literally that whole area where it twists, no sit there. I don't know? think we have a bus like that in Red Deer. Oh, no, we we have ones yeah. where it's a bus and like it's normal, and then there's like a couple steps to the back and it goes up a bit and it's like a it back area. Yeah, but we don't have like a weird sandwichy thing or whatever. That's what you like. Does it look like an accordion on the outside or something? Or is it like yeah, yeah, the accordion one. Oh, and, and when it turns, it kind of it's kind of weird because it you can see <laughs> it turning, and so and it feels like okay, where am I standing in the bus or is in the middle? What happens if something happens? Is it going to crush me? So I think he was sitting right there. So I can tell you firsthand, I never sat around in that area. So it could be that. That means maybe it's that. I need to write someone. <laughs> I feel like I need an answer. <laughs> Okay, I'll get but, over yeah, it. It's not, it's not until he goes back to the to the that he figures out, you know, he like he cancels the he does a questionnaire and all that, and he figures out what kind of you know that he's not like yeah you know, he cancels out a bunch of different literatures, and that's where he has to determine if it's a tragedy or a comedy, and he tells them you need to start writing it down. Right, and that's yes. <laughs> so 
um, uh, oh, um, the scene, at, oh, well, first, um, when she's on the bus, like, uh, he apologizes for ogling at her, <laughs> for ogling at her, <laughs> and she's like, I'll forgive you because you stuttered or whatever. And that's when, like, she warms up to I'm him. Really, I'm really proud about him. On him. I'm, I'm really proud of him in this oh, scene. That is a good, like, so quickly, too, and just owning up to it and saying it so directly, like, we're not trained. We're trained to do our job, but not intact and stuff. So I apologize for, for yes. ogling you. <laughs> also, one of my other movies is Pride and Prejudice. Um, the BBC miniseries? No, no, no. The real movie. <laughs> no, you need, if you have not watched the BBC miniseries, you need to take six hours no. out of your day and seriously. Oh, oh my I God. Don't, I don't know if I want to invest that much. No, no, no you, you have to. The mastery that it is the movie. Um, with, the one with Kira Knightley? Knightley, yes. It, it, this has nothing for Pride and Prejudice. Well, on her side, she's just. The fact that she also can recognize him, his honesty and his humbleness, and then the fact that he can just come across and say, you know, I'm sorry, it's just, this is like opposite of Pride and Prejudice, right? They're, they're, they're able to open up to each other, even though they're still strangers, and they're able to connect in that level without putting all the other stuff aside. You know, the fact that she's an anarchist and the fact that he's uh, uh, a tax, tax man. man you know? yeah. <laughs> tax man, yeah. Tax so, man. But I feel like this was a test for him because he's not hearing anything. He's like the first time he was hearing what he was afraid to think. Like he's, he, he, she was narrating what he's too scared to see or to, or, or to, or to, um, accept uh of himself that or like he, admit that he has those admitting yeah feelings. like he's, yeah he's her moves and and he's imagining her shading and all that stuff <laughs> but here it's just him the narration is gone and it's just him oh actually no it, it it does happen the narration but he is he is doing it on his own because he's realizing you know i i like this lady and, and he's taking that, he's being brave in that sense. Yes. So I feel really proud of that scene because, you know, he he really, for someone who never says what he feels, for someone who never, you know, imagines meeting someone else, he is really putting himself out. Yeah, totally. Like, just as a person seeing that, like, it's a relatable feeling where you're just like, yay, you, you did it. And he did it very, like, he didn't seem super awkward or uncomfortable or weird. Like, he just was, like, he he wasn't, like, super animated, but he's just, like, I just want to say I'm sorry and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, and it's, like, good. Yeah, I felt proud, too. It was a very a really nice moment. I think that's, like, a thing for her, too, because is it before this or after? Oh, yeah, no, it's after when he goes there and she's offering him the cookies and stuff. So we'll get to yeah, that. That's yeah, that's So the next scene... Oh, he does. I'm sorry. He does say, you know, I very straight. <laughs> he has that weirdness. You know, I I tend to compliment people in that weirdness. One time, I used to work at the bank, and this lady came in, 
And she had a nose. I'm obsessed with noses. She had this nose. I'm like, you know, your nose is just like Barbara Streisand, you know, the nose. And I said, yeah, even though I think I think she's ugly, and I, but the journals, <laughs> the lady was like, what? <laughs> like, are you complimenting me or are you, or what? <laughs> like, I, can feel, I can relate to him because that's the kind of thing that I would say, like, very nice teeth. Or like, it's, it's, it, if I'm talking to someone and they have like really bright, nice white teeth, I just can't concentrate. I'm just amazed by your teeth. <laughs> You know, so it's like I can relate to this guy in that sense. Oh, I I always like I like to look at people's features and stuff. Like I'm not artistic, but I think I just like looking at the different features people have and how they look. And especially if I see siblings and parents, I love like analyzing what features they all have that are similar. Like I do that with me and my siblings. I look at myself and I'm like, okay, this part looks like my mom on my nose and the end looks like my dad's nose. (laughs) So it's just yeah. it's interesting everyone's so different but yeah um i that th- i probably would also be like excuse me sir like it, i don't know if you're complimenting me or what you're trying to say <laughs> you're saying i look like an ugly lady <laughs> or a lady I that know, you think that was, that was so <laughs> what did your face go red as you're talking because you realized oh, like how you were sounding you're like like oh god how do i unsay this <laughs> This is before those Southwest commercials, like, need to get away, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so in the next scene, when uh, uh, Karen, is, it's so it's the scene I was talking about where she is visualizing mm-hmm. driving off the bridge in an accident kind of thing, which that moment I was just like, <gasps> when it happened, it was, it was like one of those, like, cars crashing off bridges. I know it's a movie, but it still made me go, oh, my God, <laughs> is she Okay. <laughs> I love so, how she's so she's so meta, right? She's like yes. sitting out there and she's just getting wet. Yeah. And she's just walking nothing like yeah. you know, and, and she doesn't care. And then and then she hands out her, her, her patches. She's like, Penny, I smoke. I don't you know, like I smoke nothing. That's a quote that I wrote down. I don't need a nicotine patch. I have cigarettes. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny. And again, the OCD thing, like, I don't know what it means, but spitting in the Kleenex or I don't know if she spit in at that time. Oh, no, I wrote out in the rain, but still spits in the Kleenex and puts the cigarettes in the, in the Kleenex. She's I'm like, did they, did they not have snubbers back then or what? She's, <laughs> killer. She's just protecting her DNA. Yeah, <laughs> totally. She just want to leave it all over the place. Exactly. <laughs> and every single person that she's written about she, is because she's killed them. Um, so they're <laughs> out to get her. And so they, <laughs> she, you, know, you never so, know. <laughs> she knows exactly because she, she knows how they died and everything because she killed them. <laughs> yeah, she is, she's meta and she's very morbid. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. just wrong. But, but it's, it doesn't seem that, I don't remember how many books she says she wrote, but Apparently there was a, there was like three other people that she's killed in her books collection, um, but it doesn't seem that she's had this much trouble before. This is the one time that she's that she's well, had trouble, and that's why I was so like, oh, like not thinking because I I didn't connect how oh right this is just like the first scene with her jumping off the building. I was like thinking it was her flashbacking to, uh, like. A moment of near death experience and that's why she's now struggling to write and I was like oh that would be great and I'm like god damn it 
that ruins it for me. Now I'm confused. <laughs> oh, but, if you watch, you're going to be like, whoa, yeah, it's going to make so much more sense. Yeah, <laughs> I think I might have to watch it a few more times to really like maybe have something click. He, after that, he has, I wrote weird sessions with Dustin Hoffman, but I don't remember mm -hmm. what this scene is <laughs> right now. This is where uh, she's, he wants her, um, he's like, I don't see why anybody would want to kill you. He's like, I'm a taxman. I work for IRS. There's a lot of people. Which is so, like, it's so funny in a way. But um, is there anybody that hates you or recently has been? And that's what he's like. And that, and he pushes her, too. He, this is, again, Matrix, right? Neo goes to the Oracle and he, she pushes him forward. Same thing here. She's like, he says, oh, yeah, develop that, develop that. And she says, I met this baker, this girl, and, and she seems to hate me. And he's like, okay, develop that. So so he's driven to, to develop that. And that's why he goes back. Well, he said he was going to go back anyways, but he goes back and now he's, you know, he has his little notebook where he's going to write, if it's a tragedy or, or a comedy. His little, his little tallies. <laughs> That's funny. Like just every little moment of rejection, he's just like check, tick, yeah. tick. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if we, if we let's carry that one notebook like that every day and let's see if our lives are tragedies or comedies. You know, let's see how many, how many, how many lines we can do. Oh well, I guess I'd have to look up what explicitly counts under each category. Whatever you know, <laughs> you know, some some driver flips you off, tragedy. I mean, I would see it as a comedy, which actually, I, I actually see it as a comedy, you know? That's kind oh. of the thing is it's kind of like how you look at it. Maybe that's another point is how are you looking how at you the coin or whatever? Yeah. So it's like, because yeah, you can say this is a tragedy, this thing, like this moment, but it's also like, but it's a funny moment. Like, um, yeah, I, that's a really interesting point. I think that's a big point of the movie for sure. Um Two weeks but, ago, someone flipped me, and I was like, cool. I haven't seen that since the 90s. And I was <laughs> cracking myself up, you know? So it was like a comedy. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's like, and there's a lot of moments, like like how you're saying you felt sad with him having, like, which I, I do feel sad for him in the moment, too, when he's, like, having a freak out because he's realizing he's going to die and doesn't know what to do. But it just made me laugh so hard the way he, it just brought out the comedic side of Will Ferrell that, like a glimpse of it in the character when he grabs the lamp and he's like, Harold's throwing this friggin' lamp around the room. Ah! <laughs> like that just made me laugh the way he did that. But again, I also feel that like understand his torment. <laughs> um, but in this scene he, where now he's back at the bakery, she like is grabbing all the baked goods for the customer with her bare hands. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> That's a COVID uh, program. Um, yeah, definitely. Very pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah, he's marking off the tragedies in his book. And then he is, so he's like, okay, um, I'm here to like get your receipts and stuff. And for the past three years, so I have to audit it now to make sure there aren't any other mistakes. And so she's like, okay, I'll just go grab my papers. And, and then she brings a box and he's like, oh, uh, Oh, I thought you'd maybe have them more organized or whatever, however you said it. She's like, oh, I do keep them organized. I just put them in a box like this just for you. And it's like, 
how much time did you take to take all these and crinkle them up and throw them in a box? I feel like yeah. you actually don't have a system. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, look at your room. It's like, mm. look at it's disorganized. <laughs> organized. I mean, she is. I don't. I'm just. I'm joking. She. But yeah, it would have taken a long time. So she probably also is obsessed with something. Because she. Yeah, you're right. Because she, when you keep all those counting stuff, you gotta keep them all, you know, clipped and everything and internalized and, and all that stuff. And, I can I can see that took a while. Well, I think she took the time to just really like make it hard for him and is enjoying that. But he takes a break too, and he's like eating a sandwich and coffee outside. And I'm like, did he buy purchase it from the shop or go elsewhere? Like twenty percent. You find the twenty percent. And then when he's done, he doesn't turn off the lights. He just leaves the room. So that bothered me, but that's fine. <laughs> He goes downstairs and then she's like by herself, still baking and stuff. I'm like, oh my God, lady, go to bed. <laughs> it makes me tired. That's like, awesome. <laughs> when life is baking, you're going to get tired of baking. That's what this scene like reveals. And that's what I like is when I see people who are just so passionate about anything, it's like, it's really inspiring. I can relate to her baking, like cooking, right? She like, he can see that. I think this this whole scene where he's coming down and she's talking to people. She, she's in that sense, she is the opposite of him. You know, she she needs to connect, and she connects with so many people. You know, with the with the work with the home the homeless guy or the guy's tax man, the crazy guy, and then and then the, her workers and then that other lady and and she see he's seen she's able to see her world and, and he, I think he's starting to like her world you know yeah. and how she uses baking to connect to people yeah and and it's her passion and she's like she talks about where she's because this is a scene right where she talks about how she actually went to school like to Harvard and she's like I barely got in but I wrote a really mm -hmm. good essay but then I kept having study groups and all I wanted to do was bake for these study groups and then I ended up dropping out because I just wasn't keeping up and it's like but it's be she went through that in order to find what she wanted and so it's like kind of yeah showing him that it's like you don't have to like you can um follow what you want to do in your passion you don't have to do what you think is the right way to live or something kind of because he's doing the right things living his mundane life but he's not enjoying it and I think that's again the point of the movie is like to look at the bright side of life and kind of thing and also like um and to you know not take things for granted or whatever but it's to like just yeah live life live passionately do the things that you really want to do and don't hold back because you could die at any moment basically is like the overall message I think and even though she hates this guy like she says she does. I mean, she baked them cookies. I mean, come on, right? And made him eat it. He's like, I've never had cookies. My mom just bought store bought ones. Oh, and she's like, and she's like, what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he's just like, like reveling in like this oh, thing this that's yeah, homemade cookies that are just so freshly baked and stuff. It's like crispy. Yeah, but like soft and gooey. It's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just uh, like she's coming around to him too because she's recognizing that he's a good guy good man and and she says that you know i made sure to her i made sure you had a horrible yeah like yeah I'm bad, so yeah 
she's trying to make it up to him and then she wants she's like trying to give him the cookies but that's where they still don't understand each other because he doesn't understand the social norm of like just you don't have to tell anyone that someone gave you a little gift because it's something nice that she wanted to do for you there's nothing wrong with that but he's so stringent about like no i cannot accept this gift it would might be seen as bribery or whatever and then she gets mad because she's like why can't you relax and yeah yeah trust me and blah 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 but it's like but then again lady you just gave him a shitty day of course he's not gonna trust you what you feed him some cookies next thing you're rolling around in bed then you're in jail is that what you want that's what she's doing to him (laughs) when i was when i saw this scene i was like i actually asked myself she actually i think yeah i mean i think she would have you know, if she had not, if she had seen that he was like a total douche, you know, like, um, she would have totally like used that and then like gone up and like complained, right? Uh, he took a bribe or whatever. But because she can see that he's a good guy, you know, now she's, she's genuinely want to do this. Yeah. She gets mad. That he doesn't take the cookies. Yeah. <laughs> She's like offended. But it's it's again, they're not quite at a point where they totally understand each other, but I think it helps to show uh, maybe their weaknesses or something. Like she's very strong willed and get and she'll get mad really quickly and feel offended quick kind of thing. And she's emotional kind of thing. And she cares about things. Yeah. And then and he's very like clinical and and you know, like just does straight edge, doesn't stray from you know what he needs to do and what's right and wrong is you know very specific in his head so it's just part of their journey of understanding each other um and so then next i wrote old men bums showering because we see him that was so reminiscent of these movies (laughs) (laughs) but it's also every time i see this guy i always think of that movie right uh, what was that movie? Um, Mrs. Robinson. Oh, okay, yeah. What is it? Is it Mrs. Robinson? No, this, the movie is. Is it? Yeah, Combs? I think it's. Or the the the. The one where the song Mrs. Robinson's on it, yeah, or yeah. whatever it's about. Yeah, I can't remember um what the name is, but. Another name, but. He is really good in like Meet the. Is it Meet uh, the Hawkers? In Meet the Fockers, he was in Joan of Arc um, with uh, Mila Jovovich, and that he it was that was interesting. Um, graduate. Which one? The Graduate. Oh, The Graduate. That's right. Uh, but so I he, do. He's like I do enjoy how he's like has all his many hats that he wears. So this is the day where he's doing his lifeguarding and stuff. <laughs> so that's where he's meeting up with him and having a session kind of thing. And he tells him, okay, well, if she's not already in your life and you're going to die, well, then stop living your life. Just give up and just stay in. See if the, see if the, if it progresses, right? So then he goes home and, and his watch goes off and suddenly there's a uh, excavation going on in his apartment. His wall's suddenly gone. And he's like, what are you doing? I live here. And they're like, no, we're supposed to like excavate this. He's like, says the address. They're like, oh, this is the wrong address. And so Did you notice the TV that everything on TV, every channel talks about death? The, oh. The, 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 the turtles is dying. Or the, and this is the last time that she's going to die. And she left behind and now the, the crabs are going to eat her. 
like every scene that he's turning, every channel, every channel is talking about that. That's interesting. I didn't pay attention to that. That's something I should have noticed. The, you know, like the tiger or the, I don't know if it was a tiger or a cheetah, you know, like going after the zebra and, and then like every, everything he's watching is about dying. So he's in that mindset, right? Yeah. Coming through his wall, I mean, poor guy, man. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Tortured. And already with the, the, yeah, he's already got that mindset of like, oh God, I could die at any second, which obviously is reality for everyone, which is something that um, Dustin Hoffman points out later. He's just like, well, we're all going to die. It's just, you know, so, but it's just when you really are like, it could happen at any second. I am scared. But this is the thing that sends him on, that, that finally sets him free, I think. Because he's telling him, you're going to die. So just go home and die. Just go home and do whatever you want. And it's like, like there's so many stories of people that are confronted with the almost dying, right, event. And, and they change entirely who they are because it's like, but that's every moment. Every moment is a moment that we just don't want to accept it, but but that's what sends him off to be like to re- to set him free and do what he really wants to do. Yeah. So like he's he does the guitar thing. He, um, <clears throat> uh, I don't know if I'm skipping a bunch because I might have. No, no. Well, he talks into his friend or his roommate. Remember, he moves into his roommate. Yeah. His, and that's when he tells him, "What would you do?" And he's like, "Well, go to bed. I would go to space camp." And, and then and he gives him the idea. Right. right and yeah and then where's the point because i think i missed because he um then gets a bunch of different little packages of flour and he that's his that's after kind of yeah. corny but it's still like cute how he's just like yeah now he's thinking what he what he wants to do with his life and he goes and he goes and buys himself a guitar remember that yes because he's yeah he's practicing in the store and stuff and <laughs> okay so he gets his guitar and he's uh, in the scene where he then is having like a date night with her and he's at her house and um the scene reminds me of um there's a sketch with Kristen Wiig where she's like kind of one of those old-timey like um 1940s or whatever kind of ladies and she's in a room with the friends they're socializing and they're like and they're like oh do you want to sing a song or something and she's always like don't make me sing <laughs> Oh, no, don't make me sing. I just can't do it. Don't make me sing. <laughs> I have to send it to you because the whole sketch is just her doing that. Like, okay, well, are you going to sing or not? She's like, mm, don't make me sing. And then she like, I think sings a little thing or whatever. But um, that's how he is in the scene. Because she's like, he's like, oh, you, you have a guitar? He notices on the couch. And she's like, you should play something. Because he's like, oh, I've, I've been practicing something. She's like, you should play. And he's like, no, don't make me play. Don't make me play the guitar. I just possibly, I just can't possibly play. And then, of course, she goes in the kitchen, and then he's like playing the song, which is called "Whole Wide World" by Reckless Eric, which oh. I hadn't heard before except in this movie. But oh, you see his apartment, and then you see hers. It's so different, right? Like she, she represents the colorful, the 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 really the light of, of, of living, right? Because she has so many, and you know, lately I've been, I've been doing a lot of shopping myself and it was like man that's a nice chair back there man that's a nice rug man that's a nice light yeah (laughs) I was thinking the same (laughs) she has a nice place like it's like you said yeah very her like very creative artsy you know and and like while his is yeah the opposite 
this is my one of my favorite scenes right here. Oh. <laughs> you know that song, and then he's just singing there, and then she—he doesn't even know she's there, staring at him. And then, um, and then you, it, you gotta, you gotta believe that she, like, this is her favorite song as well. If she starts singing it herself, right? Um, and it's, it's one of those things where, where you meet someone and you don't think this person has anything is anything like you, and then it turns out you both like the same song. That one song that like makes you believe in everything, right? And it's and it just shows you that, you know, regardless of, of how this person looks or whatever, you know, this is the person, right? This, so I'm I'm just um it, it is just it it is an awesome scene. I love it. Yeah, it's really it's good. just nice when you see them like finally having that full connection in a way. Not later on when they get in bed together but just emotionally <laughs> um so, <laughs> and so then now he's he ends up going back to um the professor's office to tell him that his like it's a comedy she's falling in love with me it's a comedy and then he hears karen's voice on the tv and he's like i have to find her it's, it's interesting kind of like, it's kind of like that one scene in um in one of my other favorite movies uh you got mail when he's like uh, if you don't like Kathleen Kelly, you're not gonna like this girl, because this girl is Kathleen Kelly. <laughs> it's one of those where it's like, where, where it's like, you know, you're, you're it's not a try, it's not a comedy because she's about to, she kills people, she kills their characters, right? Yeah, and, yeah totally. So it's just like, and he knows that, but his his perception's changing, I think, because he's experiencing these things he's feeling control of his life and it's like he's almost forgetting about death and that's I think again another overall theme is just that if you are really living life to the fullest and appreciating it you're not thinking about death and fixating on it so and that's the thing like he becomes fixated when he's aware that he has imminent death happening while Karen is obsessed with death and is always thinking of death because she's trying to find ways to kill her characters and it's like you can't live like that focused on death all the time unless you're a true crime podcaster <laughs> um but i was kind of like don't dissuade harold from finding her this is a part of what's gonna you know like make things really interesting is like because uh i think it was the professor because he's like i don't remember what he says but he's kind of like oh no you shouldn't that's not a good idea or something like and he's like no i gotta go find her and um and then it's then when karen is figuring figures out how to kill harold and and then he's <laughs> he goes to her publishing office and it just made me laugh yeah. when he's because he's trying to lie his way into contact I'm getting brother. her contact I'm info yeah I'm, I'm yeah <laughs> I, i'm her brother his brother uh, her brother-in-law what her sister's married i'm married to her brother <laughs> and he's like okay you know what and then he just tells like the real thing and just sounds even more crazy <laughs> and then he just walks out <laughs> she's writing a book on me and I'm her character. Yeah. But hey, <laughs> it's really that crazy. It's really that crazy. Yeah. You know? But one thing too throughout the um, the movie is uh, his outfits changing. So he's got like certain uh, suit that looks a certain way at the beginning. I can't remember the exact colors, but gradually he's wearing like sweaters, and by the end he's wearing like a red kind of sweater and stuff. So he's like, okay. yeah, he's more color mm -hmm. in his life kind of thing. Um, 
doesn't do his hair. Yeah, he's more relaxed. Yeah, and and so he's then uh, he's trying. I think she's still narrating because he's like trying to get a hold of her. So he goes to like the first payphone, but it's like it's not working. And then he goes to the second payphone, but there's mucus all over it. And I was just like, ew, that's disgusting. <laughs> and that's happened where I have seen disgusting things on payphones. Like, you know, payphones were so handy at the time, but I'm really glad we have cell phones now. <laughs> and it's so weird that we feel weird when we ask somebody to borrow their phone. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, wait a second, didn't you 20 years ago weren't you using public phones? Yeah. And we had a little like a wiping, like a little wipes on the side so you can clean them. I mean, they were in the middle of nowhere. And you just pick them up and they're like, hello? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, pay phones. Um <laughs> and so then we see Emma typing and and she's typing out what's happening and that's the ring 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 part mm-hmm. and so then she runs and answers the phone and they finally talk and you're just like oh my god this is the moment that we've been waiting for is for them to finally like meet so is this the moment that she finally realizes that Harold is a real person like because we know there was a scene when she goes and she's like when they're in the hospital He's like, no, this, that's a problem. These people are not going to die. And she's like, where are the people that are going to die for sure? Like the dead, you know. Like, and she's like, and the nurse or whatever, she's like, what's wrong with you? Like, like you were so insensitive, right? And that kind of like, like punches her, right? And then, and then we don't see her until now where she's, she's trying, she's finally knows how she, how he's going to die. And, and now she's writing, she's typing it. But now that she's about to kill him, now she needs to understand that he is a real person. Yeah, because like, she's writing know, it to set it up that he meets her, right? Yeah, right because now, like, well, and, 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 and that could be that she went back and, and added that, but right until now, she needs to know that Harold is a real person. And she now that like, Harold wants to live, because he, he's like, I can't die now. You know, she just meant the love of his life and everything and he's like no i don't want to die and 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 now you know he's trying to get to her and um and so she's writing that and that's when she finally because she goes into shock or something right you know so it's like because she didn't know before this that harold was a real person yeah and she was like she was freaked out like she's like what the phone is ringing like i didn't think this would happen so it's like he goes to the office and um oh Maybe and scene or something right before that where she yeah. actually realizes that he could be real a Harold be a real person i just don't that's kind of what i don't totally get because why would she and think again, that I way that. i might like i think i missed something there's gotta there's some, there's gotta be a scene i'm actually i don't i don't know if i've seen the video scenes in the movie where she gets a sense of Maybe I shouldn't kill because we see them the where the where she where the apple falls down and starts rolling down the right. Yeah. She, That's how I'm gonna do it. And she's and she actually writes it in her notepad, and now she's putting it in the typewriter. Yeah. And that's where where it becomes real. I'm and not. She, I don't think it's that because I, I don't think she's at a point where she's gonna think a character is a real person, but I think she almost is like getting hesitant because of all these 
of like the hospital um, confrontation in a way, like, and then, and stuff like, and, and thinking more about like, this is hard for me to, and everything that she talks about with Penny and stuff, like there's, she's writing it, but she's hesitant. And maybe even as she's writing, that's why she, she's writing stuff because she's putting off him dying because she still isn't ready to fully write it yet. And that's why she's like, oh, he's running and he's desperate. And he runs to the phone. She's not expecting him to be calling her. I don't know. I don't remember how she's writing it, but so it's like, oh, he's trying to get to the phone to call someone about whatever. And, and then it ends up being her that he phones and she's not expecting that. So it's like when her phone rings and then she's like, that's weird. It rang. And then she writes ring and then it rings again. And she's like, wait, she's having like his existential moment of like, what is happening here? This is weird. And then she, (laughs) and then so, yeah. And then, so well, the thing is that before no one was pressuring her to kill him, and maybe something in her, in her, you know, um, in her didn't want to kill him. But now you have Penny saying, "No, you're gonna kill him," and and I've never gone back to ask for more time. And we have a deadline, and you're gonna meet it. So now she's pressured, and it could be that all along she didn't want to kill him, you know, because she's like, "I always kill people." And yeah, now she's been exposed to to people dying and, and to the actual suffering. And now she's like she's understanding that you know the last part of of, of losing someone or, or or killing someone. Yeah, and so now maybe she wants to rebel against that because Penny's like in her face saying we need to finish this. And now she's finding her own way, right? But yeah, that's obviously it doesn't have to make sense because it is a movie after all. And she did go back and rewrite some of the story to fit the narrative, the new narrative. You know, that's what she says. But um, but yeah, she finally meets him. Yeah, you know, they they talk about he's just like, You're not gonna kill me, right? And then she shows him the rough <laughs> draft and um uh and it's like and yeah, that's the thing, it's like it's when she puts things in the typewriter, that's when it makes things come to pass kind of thing. So it's interesting how she is like this God, but he's a human with free will. So it's kind of that symbolism, right? Of like, of religious people or the the religious idea of like God and how they say like God created man, but man, men have free will kind of thing. So it's that kind of contrast that I think they're showing. This is where we find out that the real power is in the typewriter. Yeah. You need to get a typewriter. <laughs> I need to find out that brand. <laughs> um, so when Will Ferrell is like crying and stuff, I like believe I'm like it could be Pepper in the eyes or something, but I I really believe that emotional moment. Even like yeah, like, yeah, like he's really crying and stuff. But like, she hands she hands him the 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 whole book, and now it's in his. But it's so funny that he goes to the teacher and gives it to the professor, and um, he can't even trust himself to read it, right? I don't know if it's because he's scared or because he just feels that he doesn't understand it, and he takes it to the professor because he's going to understand it. And it's like, it's so funny how Dustin Hoffman just pretends that he's not, like, blowing his mind, right? Because... He's been waiting for this book, and this is like his favorite all-time author. If you have first reads or first dibs on on a new book, you know he's dying inside. But he's like, yeah, just put it, set it down, set it down. I'll, I'll do it. 
it's fine. It's fine. I'll, I'll find time to read it at some point. <laughs> yeah. No. And, um, and I mean, random note, but I put, I love Karen's office and I want to live there. Um, so that's a thing. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's interesting. Cause it's a, another very bright, like, uh, like living, like space with these big windows and stuff. Like, it's just interesting. I, I'm, I don't know if it means anything, but it's like, there's so much brightness and whiteness and stuff. Is it supposed to be yeah, like heaven or something symbol of like how she's God in heaven or whatever, you know, <laughs> like, like, like it's so minimalistic. Like it, it, there's not a lot of your desk and you think there's like a, a stand with a vase or something or something. And I don't remember what I was watching, but I was watching this movie that had, it was an empty room with one sofa in the middle. Yeah, and I was like, I was thinking, you know what? If I had the space, like if I had rooms to spare, I would totally want to have a room with just one sofa in the middle. Yeah. And just to be able to have that spot when you're like, okay, I'm gonna sit in this room, like in command of my life, right? Like, yeah, just no those... stimulation almost because it's like a way for you to just like get See out of from one point of view. Yeah, but um. Uh, yeah, like, so then she goes and sees, uh, the professor and, um, he like makes her realize like she has killed all of her characters and is making her kind of face her reality in a way, like, do you think like, or, um, so he, he goes, he comes back the next day and he just finished reading the book and he's like, what, what happened? And he's like, you have to die. Right, you have to die. You know, you're gonna die anyway, so just die. <laughs> it's Rude. Like, what you want me to die? Yeah, just die. <laughs> it's like it's like you're asking someone to die, right? Because it's like, yeah, this is her masterpiece. This is this is what's gonna complete her collection of, of books, you know. And he's like, but I don't want to die, you know. And he's so bummed out, and that's when he spends also another day in, you know, all the way until the night reading the book himself. He sits on that bus and he just lets it roll out, you know? Yeah, he reads it and he's just like, no, that's that's a beautiful, perfect ending. It's great. Like, you should and do I think it. We, can, we would all do that, though. Imagine if you if you were reading a book about your life and, and the way you die is so symbolic to the rest of your life. It's like, would you change anything? You know? Yeah. So it's like if someone writes a book, uh, a book about you showing how they know you so well and how they describe you so well. And it's like, and now they kill you. It's like, I think I would do it. You know, like, yeah, that's fine. Kill me. <laughs> right? I, I mean, I I'd be like, just can you make it quick and painless, please? <laughs> and yeah, saving someone, like, what's a better way to die than in some way like hero. that yeah a hero something he probably would never do but but yeah he spends the whole day all the way into the night because he gets there early because he stood up the professor stood stayed up all night reading that book and then he gets there early and then he spent he's he goes all the way into the night also reading the book that's a freaking long book <laughs> yeah <laughs> take me a while i feel like how, when am I supposed to die? Because I need like a week to read this. 
you think I'm a slow reader? Yeah, I'm a slow reader too. I need some time, please. <laughs> so then Penny walks into her office and now she's like totally lost it. Because now she's like, what if I kill so many other people, right? Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think she's like tired of it because I just wish I knew more about why she's like that. Again, it just would be so much better if she did have a near-death experience. That's why she's so obsessed with death. (laughs) I'm like obsessed with that idea now. (laughs) Would I I read her whole collection? I think I would. You know, like the way she, kind of like that Alanis Morissette song, your little, your your Canadian counterpart, you know. (laughs) You know, like he he wins the the lottery and he dies the next day. Or all you need is a spoon and you have forks and, you know, you pay for a ride, but you already paid. It's one of those things where you, you know, she's doing that with people's lives, you know. She she kills what she killed she killed a teacher the day she was going to retire or something. You know, it's like it's like but she does it without remorse or any appreciation for life. Like even you know, when I'm writing a story, if I decide I'm gonna kill the like when I was writing I remember when I was writing Body of Proof, which is about a, a slave, you know, and, and I had to kill one of his sons. Like I, I really, because I wanted, I wanted us to feel his pain of how easy it was to lose, to kill people back then, you know, and into how these slaves were killed, like like property, you know, like the way you sell your chair or you kill your horse or whatever. And and then I almost cried when I was like reading it, you know, and and so you feel that pain. But here's this lady killing teachers and everything, and she's like, ah, whatever, she needs to die. yeah it's like she 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 doesn't have empathy until she meets harold or something Mm -hmm. you know like then she realizes oh wait actually thinking of these as real people i'm suddenly because she's always trying to picture herself in their shoes but it's like she's not there like she just can't get it because she's too (laughs) fixated on using it as a a writing device or something but um but yeah i think so that's why she's all now she's like it's like how many people have a kill i'm a killer or whatever and um and that's when he comes over and he tells her and i guess she didn't i think she didn't think he was going to say what he did you know he comes and tells her here do it yeah well no and that's why she says at the end she's like that's why i didn't kill you because you were ready to like you were you were prepared to die for knowing that you're going to die and you accepted it and stuff and just the way you are as a character or as that kind of person you don't deserve to die or whatever kind of that's not exactly what she says but you know that's kind of like she's like no because of the fact that you were you were ready to like yeah willing to die and especially in that kind of sacrificial way kind of thing like she's like you're a good person and you don't deserve that so so now is like okay so now she needs to find a way to not kill him because remember she had already written her he's dead i mean he's gonna die so now it's in her hands she needs to figure out because he he already gave her permission to kill him and he's prepping everything you know he's doing all everything he needs to do um and and now she's the one that wants to see keep him alive you know she's the one that wants to find a way for to save him you see that shift from her killing people to now wanting to save this guy because he's such a hero, you know? And this last part always makes me cry. 
<laughs> this last part, you know, he's living his last moments, and you know, they're watching a movie there with her and everything, and and, and it's crazy because he knows he's about to die, and he's just trying uh, to enjoy the, his last moments and stuff, kind mm-hmm. of things. It's sad, but then it's like, then it's a nice happy ending that you know, like. I think it's it is where she's shifting to where she's like I don't want to be like this author anymore even though it it would be better if he died and I'm not gonna have the best sales or something but you know she's like no that's not as important to me right now as as to making this shift so that this man can live kind of thing and now he he goes back to his whole life because he changes into that blue suit he does his tie he take he picks up his apple. If he does his routine again, knowing that he's going to die. Yeah. He, he already wrote it down. So she already wrote it down how he's going to die. He's going to cross that stream. He's going to jump in front of that bus and he's going to die. So he's walking to his dead, right? Uh, he he accepted it all. He accepted his, his destiny in this case. But that's where, you know, they they you know interjected the whole watch and how he's actually early and not late or whatever yeah well and so that's some trivia that or is it trivia they say or did i i just read it somewhere maybe i just read it in a synopsis thing but when his watch breaks it's like because the watch leads him to that moment but then it breaks and it protects him and that's what keeps him from dying is that watch yeah he protects his artery, and then, and then, um, and that's that's how he doesn't die. Otherwise, I guess he would have just bled to death. Because you know, once you cut those arteries, those main arteries or whatever, you're dead. There's no way that they can save you. Yeah. Right. And so. So he's in the hospital looking like a mummy. Oh, and she's she's got the cookie. She's feeding him his cookies in bed. He's, he's broken. This guy's every. I can imagine <laughs> every piece of him is broken. And she's like all up on him and like, like man. It's so cute though. It's like, oh, they're that little. She's just like, oh my God, now I'm in love with him and I have to take care of my mommy man. <laughs> it's like, why are you why did you you know try to save it? And then that ending always makes you cry, you know. Ugh. Just such it's a nice happy ending that he gets oh, the man. second chance and he gets to finally like live life the way like and i just relate the, so much to it like you know. know and then the teacher you know and the professor and the writer you know finally meet up um but you know um so finally they meet up yeah it's overall oh, amazing movie just yeah it's just a nice movie and even if it's not someone's favorite i i at least watch it once i'd say like you know give it yeah. a chance and and try to see what the like what's it's just a nice movie there's certain movies like i love you've got mail i love this because there's some of the movies it's just the ambience that's created the atmosphere the way the actors are the dialogue it's just nice it's like totally you escape into the movie and it's in some movies are so cliche right like you know the path they're gonna follow you know what they're gonna say you know they're gonna fall in love and mainly like they just push it in your face like you like all these stupid movies on Netflix or like an Amazon Prime, it's like, yeah, they're in love. And they, you know, they, they, they want you to accept it, that they're in love. And, and it's like, just because they show me two scenes with them, now I'm supposed to believe that they're in love. 
we don't see that as much anymore where you see the progression and the, the yes. development of that love. It's like, it's like they give you two scenes and now you, you have to accept that they're in love. And, and it's, like, it's like, what? That's why I like Pride and Prejudice, like the book is so great to read. It's just got so much, cl- it's like the writing's so clever. Like you, you love her, like Elizabeth's dad. He's so funny. And the way he I talks know. to the mom, because the mom's the, she's so overbearing and obnoxious. And the dad was always. She, she cares about her daughters, you know? I yeah. love that movie. Oh. And like, he, he just like, uh, he'll say like comments and the wife doesn't even realize he's like making fun of her and stuff. And you're just <laughs> laughing and it's so good. And, and yeah, the romance with Mr. Darcy with how she gets this impression of him and thinks he's this snotty guy, but it's like, it's not that he's snotty. And it's just in a sense, he is above everyone because he actually is really good and isn't, doesn't care about the the frivolous things that most people do. So that's why he comes no, across and, that way. Yeah, and he, and he is very, you would think here's a guy that is super rich and he probably just thinks that he's above everybody or whatever, but he's terrified by people. He's yeah. terrified by social gatherings, by by dances and all that and so and so as much money as he has he is terrified to be to to have the attention most famous people or whatever millionaires or whatever they want the spotlight on themselves but this guy does them right and so and so that's where he's coming from but well and he, yeah. he also though like he he's around these people that it's like i'm going to these he's just not that socialite person like he's Mm-hmm. It's, it's more like he just he doesn't care he has a sister he's looking after he cares about her he cares he genuinely cares about things he doesn't care about going to a ball dealing with the gossip having people rub up against him and try to like be fake with him and stuff and but he that's what makes him come across as a snob is because he's yeah yeah he's like i'm not putting i'm not gonna pander to people who are being fake and phony just because they have this mm-hmm. stupid ball and they're trying to throw all these women at my friend who moved in and they don't even know him and stuff. They just want his money. Like he's just above all of that. And it just comes across like he's acting like it, but it's because he's just not interested in that. So then that's what why was the it's name the... Of, the, of his friend's sister. Uh... But that's the same actress that does Yellowstone. Elizabeth in Yellowstone. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. Oh my God. She is beautiful. And she's so good. She is so good there. Because when I saw it the first time, I was like, yeah, she's just some entitled, you know, spoiled or whatever, fake, you know, person. But but she's actually very true to her character. And it's not that she's being fake. She's, that's just what what it was like, you know? Women needed to be that good at everything that they did. And they had to be, they had to have this allure and this, you know, this posh, you know? Otherwise... You know, they were not seen as... Yeah, and you're going to, you're just, you're going to end up living a shitty life. You got to have a rich guy look after you because you're a woman. You can't go out and have jobs unless you go be a prostitute <laughs> or so a teacher. Yellowstone <laughs> and I went back and saw Pride and Prejudice, I was like, I can, I can totally like see her in a new light in, in her acting. It's just like, whoa. But uh, yeah, that, that's another movie we should do. It is amazing. But yeah, Stranger Than Fiction is one of those movies that I recommend to everybody. Like I always talk about, you know, how good it is because you're not you're not expecting your typical you're thinking maybe hmm, I didn't even know it was gonna be a romantic movie, <laughs> right? Yeah. Until it happens, right? But it's like it, it, it catches you off guard and the whole writing part of it is just it is it, it just gives it 
it gives it a whole different a whole different uh, taste or like a whole different uh, way of looking at it but yeah. it's an amazing i love it i i totally agree i think it's pretty it's like intelligent it has it's a nice topic matter that's handled in a nice way that does make you think and you're you're trying to figure out what's happening in the movie but then inadvertently you're figure like making connections with real life like what what the message is of the movie and it's just it's a nice way to make you go okay you know what like yeah it sucks we're all gonna die but focus on just trying to enjoy life so that's what i take away from the movie kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah it's amazing i love it yeah well i think we've dissected this movie pretty good <laughs> but yeah more than we needed to maybe i just i love it me too well thank you so much for talking to me about it because i love really looking at all these little angles of movies and it's so fun to have someone who's the same ways to talk to you about stuff um but do you want to share again where we can find you your podcast and where we can find you for your podcast on social media and stuff yeah thank you um again my my podcast name is the, the short short podcast um and it's this podcast about short stories um no bargaining no talking no um no distractions just you know just one story after another and they're pretty short and they're pretty to the point you know and they're different every single one is different they're not they're not your typical podcasts but um but yeah you can find me anywhere um and on twitter as well as the short shorts one and uh um so yeah just if you have if you have a chance just Take a listen. I, I do have short stories that are based on true on, on true crime, and but I have others that are a little more relaxed, a little more historical, or even poems of such you know stories that I've made up. So yeah, you're welcome to to listen to them and 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 also and also and also visit visit my Twitter page. Yes, uh, you can find him on pretty much like I think all platforms. His podcast and. Uh, look for Jonas on Twitter because he's really active on there and he's just like, yeah, well, it's really addictive though, but it's, you know, Jonas really cares a lot also about sharing information about missing people's cases, missing persons cases and stuff. Like he's really supportive in so many ways too. So just give him a follow and uh, show him some support and support the things that he's sharing and supporting because he's always helping out good causes. Yeah. And if you want stickers, DM me and I'll, I'll send you some stickers. <laughs> They're great. I bought, I bought, I bought uh, 500 of them. So I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> and for me, this is Rambling Ronnie's podcast. So you can find me on Twitter, Rambling R-O-N-I, and Instagram and Facebook. Just look for Rambling Ronnie's podcast. And I have an email if you want to suggest any movies or any true crime cases or anything, if you want covered or want to have coverage for, uh, email me at ramblingronniespodcast at gmail.com or just find me on Twitter or somewhere and, and contact me um, and yeah, give us both a follow and interact with us because we like to talk to people. <laughs> rate us. Now that we can get a rating in Spotify. You know? Yes, rate us. Give us some stars. In particular, five, please. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Jonas, and thank you, everyone who has tuned in, and please let us know what you think of the episode. Yes, please. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our assessment of the movie. I'm really interested to know what you think and if there's anything you may have a different perspective on. Let me know on Twitter at RamblingRonnie, R-O-N-I, or Facebook, Instagram at RamblingRonnie's Podcast, or email me at RamblingRonnie'sPodcast at gmail.com. If you like this episode, please follow wherever you listen and leave a five-star review. I would truly appreciate it. And if you have any episode topic suggestions, including any movies you'd like reviewed or any true crime unsolved mystery cases covered, please reach out and let me know through socials or email. Also, a big thank you to Jonas. Please follow him as well on Twitter at The Short Shorts One and look for The Short Shorts Podcast wherever you listen. Thank you all again. Be kind to one another in these times and take care.